0: Welcome to Macros Made Easy, the podcast that takes the confusion out of tracking macros. I'm your host, Emily Field, a registered dietitian that specializes in a macros approach. In each episode, I help you learn how to eat in a way that supports your health, body composition, and athletic performance goals. We'll cover the basics of macronutrients, how to track for various goals, the role of macros in your health, and how to make sustainable changes to your habits. I've helped hundreds of people experience more food freedom and flexibility while navigating their nutrition. So whether you've tried macros and it just didn't stick, or you just heard the word macros yesterday, I can't wait to help you too. Today, we'll be talking to my former client, Karen. Karen has long considered herself an athlete, but that didn't stop her from falling into the trap that many active women do, under eating for that active lifestyle. She got curious that she might not be eating enough when she started linking her cravings, low energy, and persistent injuries together. Karen had assumed I would help her eat more since she heard me talking about how this was a constant thread in my online messaging, but ultimately, Karen wanted to be leaner, lighter, and stronger, so she was concerned what moving up in calories and macros would do to her physique because she was already feeling uncomfortable in her skin. She was unsure about how it would all shake out, but she decided to treat it like an experiment and trust the process. In the first several weeks of coaching, we slowly brought Karen's calories up by three to 400 per day, And to her surprise, she started losing inches. Her cravings disappeared and her energy bounced back. But more surprising, however, was that eating more food and aiming for more protein had such a profound impact on her mood. Gone were the days where she felt anxious, depressed, and irritable. She felt level, balanced, and happier altogether. That period of time that we established her maintenance calories and macros was so powerful because she could experience how it felt to eat enough. She, like so many of us, have no idea that she didn't have to feel so low and lousy most days. From there, we had the foundation set to drop into a painless, easy, and sustainable fat loss phase. And Karen loved jiu-jitsu, CrossFit, and strength training, so we knew we had to keep calories high enough to support her energy for the sports, but low enough to produce fat loss. And she was super successful. She was able to strike that balance and lose about 12 pounds of fat in 15 weeks, which removed about eight to 10 inches from all over her body. While our work ended about three years ago, Karen and I have stayed connected and she's taken the lead on her own macro phasing. Her body composition is dramatically different than it was three to four years ago because she's rotated through these cycles of fat loss, muscle gain, maintenance, really isolating one goal at a time over the years. I am so proud of Karen for really digging into the mental work that goes along with nutrition coaching. She confronted body image issues and unraveled deeply buried diet culture rules that she didn't even realize she had for herself. As a result, Karen sets a powerful example to other women that come through her jiu studio and to her kiddos as they grow up. Success with tracking macros starts with actually trusting that your macro targets are right for you. As the original macro experts, registered dietitians have years of professional experience to pull from when they provide protein, fat, and carbohydrate goals. No more second-guessing those macro numbers or being confused by online calculators. With me and my team, it's all about personalization, precision, and proven results. Here's how a custom macro calculation works. After purchasing the service, you'll fill out a detailed health assessment sharing juicy details about your personal health situation that could influence your nutritional needs. You'll have the opportunity to tell us about your health history, typical workout routine, food preferences, what's been working or not working to accomplish your goals. After submission, we will pour over what you've shared and draft your protein, fat, and carbohydrate targets, calorie goals, and bigger picture health recommendations that we think might make a difference for you. We'll also tell you exactly how we arrived at your macro target so you understand the why behind the numbers. Then in about seven to 10 business days, you'll get a lengthy email with all of this included that you can digest and refer to as much as you need. Look, your macro targets are supposed to be as unique as you, so why settle for an impersonal nutrition calculator? Purchase a custom macro calculation from me, Emily Field, and my dietitian team today and get personalized to you macro targets that you can trust, ones you can start seeing results with right away go to emilyfieldrd.com slash CMC or click the link in the show notes of this episode. Thank you so much for being here, Karen. I'm thrilled to talk to you about your journey through coaching. We worked together several years ago and one of my favorite things about like having a conversation with a client like this is to kind of show the audience where you were before we started working together, where you are now, now that we're not working together, because my guess is that you learned a lot about our time and it has really come through over the years and it's gonna stick with you for a really long time. Is that correct? Yeah,
1: definitely.
0: Yeah. So remind me and like tell the audience a little bit about how
1: we came to be and why you decided to hire me. Okay. So I actually was able to meet you in person before we started working together. I met you through a CrossFit Gym in my town and I was interested in learning more first and I followed you for a long time on Instagram and chatted with you and I think your posts started to kind of make me notice my life a little bit just like your graphics about like you might be under eating if you feel like this this and this and Mm -hmm. you know if you feel really sluggish or you feel really puffy or you don't have a huge appetite all the time those started to really blow my mind little by little thinking about under eating or missing out on enough protein or carbs or whatever and how it might look different than just one specific little thing. You know, there are a lot of indicators of that that I could really identify with. I think what led me to eventually work with you was that I definitely am a learner. I really like to learn new skills and I started to see it as a new skill that could hopefully just make me feel better in my life, you know, which really would just make my life easier. If I had more energy, if I had a better body image, all those things related to your work, it would just improve my life. And after our first call to see if we would be a good fit for each other, I think what really kind of made me want to work with you was you pointed out that all of my goals were centered around weight loss. And I was actually sort of surprised because I hadn't noticed. And I don't think I had really noticed how negative my body image really was, like how focused I was on that stuff. So that was surprising, but it was interesting. And being kind of a bigger person, I'm five eight, and now around 165 or so, I've always felt proud of that. I've felt proud of how capable and big I am, but that I could feel that pride, but also kind of have this negative body image. It was interesting that those two things could coexist, you know?
0: Totally. I mean, you were you are an athlete. And when I met you in New Jersey at that CrossFit gym, it's clear that you own a jujitsu studio. You love jujitsu. You love CrossFit. You've been competitive in jujitsu. And so it is interesting to maybe be like alerted of the fact that while you consider yourself an athlete, you might not be eating like one. So what was that like when I kind of maybe shared that you have? A lot more that you could be eating. There's a lot of gains left on the table here. You could potentially feel so much better if you were to eat more. Were you surprised by me saying that?
1: Yeah, I definitely was. And I think probably part of why I was surprised was because I thought that I eat a lot. Yeah. You know, and I think part of the reason why I thought I eat a lot was at times in my life, I have when I was a lot younger, I could eat like a garbage disposal, you know. Mm-hmm. And- Things would be relatively unchanged all the time, but I kind of thought I still ate like that. And I felt like, even though it felt like a little bit nervous to increase so much, I think we ended up increasing like 700 calories a day for a while. I just felt like, okay, I've already kind of gotten to a place where I feel kind of low. So like, what do I have to lose to try this? And it was like really kind of mind blowing how immediate I felt positive effect from that. Well, for context,
0: you know, before we started working together, I usually get kind of like a food diary. I like to get an average of what you typically eat so I can see what changes might need to be made. And you were at that time averaging around 1900 calories, which for a woman who's listening to this might be like well, that's that's a lot. that's like way more than I eat. I you know I would consider that enough. But because you don't have the academic background and the professional background that I do, it's very likely that most people listening to this and, and even including you before we work together, don't know how much food is actually appropriate for you because the yeah. only reason, the only way we've been served nutrition information a lot of times as women is through the lens of a diet. So you hear numbers like 1200. 1,500. If you want to lose weight, you have to do this, that, and the other. So for the untrained ear, 1,900 calories might feel like totally enough. But as Karen said, we slowly increased her calories to where she should be for her four to five days of activity each week. And mothering two kids and running around town, she's up to 2,500, 2,600 calories. And Yes, probably mind-blowing from the perspective of like, how can I house this much food? How much was I missing out on from an energy perspective, from a mood perspective? I mean, I remember these being the things that you came to me saying, like, I've got cravings, I'm munchy, crunchy things. I have a low mood. I feel snippy with my partner. I don't always feel happy. My energy is quite low. So, it's oftentimes depressing to think that, like, I've yeah. been pulling myself back from feeling this amazing. And it just, I just needed permission to eat, you know? Totally. Yeah. So, yes, from we initially had a conversation, I found it quite interesting that your goals were around fat loss, being in a certain percent body fat, losing weight. And also you were struggling with all these other things, but for whatever reason, those Mm -hmm. weren't symptoms that you were really associating with under eating at that time. I think you thought you were struggling with postpartum depression. I think you thought you were just simply Mm -hmm. in a low, you know, kind of in a slump in your life, but it just so happened that eating more, turned around your mood, turned around your cravings, your energy and all that. And also we were able to set up for a quite seamless fat loss phase.
1: Yeah. I thought it was because of several vitamin deficiencies. I Mm -hmm. thought it was, like you said, postpartum depression or too much caffeine or whatever. And increasing protein, especially, and calories. I mean, so much of that just went away so Mm -hmm. fast. Yeah, that's so cool.
0: So tell me a little bit about, you know, was it nerve-wracking? Tell me about your experience increasing calories. Because We've had conversations with clients before where you can read about it. You can read it from, let's say, even my Instagram. I'm showing examples of clients who are eating more and not gaining weight. And if anything, maybe losing weight or losing fat. And you're like, I get it. I get how that might be Mm -hmm. true. But it could not possibly be true for me. (laughs) So it is really interesting how we play mind games. But can you tell us a little bit about your experience increasing calories? You know, were you nervous? You know, kind of what was going through your head during that time?
1: Yeah, I was nervous. And I think the nervousness kind of goes into that like diet mindset, especially women around my age. I'm 39. We grew up in the nineties where it was diet culture everywhere. It was how many ways can we cut back? You Mm -hmm. know, so it really was going against a lot of stuff that was ingrained in me, I think. And I think. Societal stuff too, of just it's better to be smaller when you're a woman. I mean, we have gotten that message in a lot of ways. And I think I came up against a lot of that increasing calories. And I think I also was just nervous to make mistakes. I've worked with coaches before, or just because of my personality or whatever life experiences. I was kind of afraid of making mistakes and feeling shame about messing up the process. And that was something that I really appreciated about working with you was that you are just a very kind coach and very empathetic. And, you know, when things like that would come up, we'd talk about it. You would say things like, I'm sorry that you have felt like you need to feel shame about that I mean that it's very validating it's nice to hear you know and I think I just because of how kind you were and just the very detailed description of what the process would be like I felt comfortable enough to just trust the process that Mm -hmm. I'd be okay
0: yeah you know absolutely Yeah. Well, I really do appreciate that about you. I mean, what, what makes a great coach client relationship is when the client is able to communicate fears and doubts and nervousness. And I can't do my job if I don't know how you're feeling. So you came to the table a lot of times saying, this is how I'm feeling. I'm willing to move past it. And that gives me the floor to maybe reinforce what we're doing, explain it a little bit more. Maybe it's gentle coaching. Maybe it's empathy that you need, but. I can't do my job as a coach if I don't know how you're feeling. So I really appreciated the transparency there and most of your check-ins. So that was great. Yeah, and I do think that what tends to be a you know a differentiator between my successful clients, maybe the ones that don't accomplish what they think they should in coaching, is they treat this time like an experiment. And there's going to be multiple times throughout your life where you're going to try on different habits and you're going to try on different modalities, and you're going to get something out of it even if it's just from the mindset perspective or even if it's like well that didn't work for me you can take it or leave it kind of thing so one thing that i think you did with our time is like well i have nothing to lose and you said that even earlier like i have nothing to lose here and i'm willing to try it the best case scenario is i accomplish everything i set out to accomplish worst case scenario is i learn to eat more food and i had some nutrition yeah. <laughs> education along the way so that was that was really cool that you approached it that way and you've since worked with other coaches for different things. And it seems like you definitely take that curiosity mindset with you in almost every coach-client relationship you have. Yeah, definitely. So I would like to, I mean, I think I know what the biggest differentiators were or the biggest needle movers were in our time together. What made the biggest difference? You already touched on eating way more calories, eating more protein. But what other things, if anything, do you think was like the biggest needle mover in your success?
1: I think like the biggest... Accomplishment, I think that came out of working with you. And it wasn't something that happened fast. Like it really took all of our one on one coaching time. And then also getting help from you again over that last couple of years since one on one time is getting to a really different mindset about the scale number, really feeling so neutral about what the scale says and seeing it as just information to work with that was a huge change and mm-hmm. it really feels like so fortunate to have that relationship with the scale or just with my size you know I've done jiu for a long time and I competed in it for a long time and I think. For a while, I was holding on to a certain size because that was the weight class that I did for many years. And I liked how my body felt then. And so I felt like I just always want to be that same weight class and kind of just letting my body change, you know, and Having my goal now be that I really just want to feel good. I want right. to feel strong. I want to feel healthy. I want to feel energized that those are what motivate me rather than being this certain weight. That really feels huge. And I have kids. I have a daughter and a son. I think men go through this stuff too, but especially just having a daughter who was also Going to grow up to be tall and big and athletic that I can guide her from a place of that and not everything that I've gone through to get here. Yeah, you're giving her permission to let her
0: body change. And I think that's Mm -hmm. something that women don't hear enough of. It's because men can largely move throughout their life being around the same weight and around the same size, they don't have as much transition. And life change as women do, especially if we choose to have children. So, having permission, you're basically giving her permission and just acknowledgement that your body's gonna change and yeah. it's gonna be different sizes at different times. And so, for you, that's really interesting that you say, like, you from your competitive jujitsu experience, you're holding on to a certain weight class and weight. For other women, it's the weight I was at my wedding, the weight yeah. I was, you know before I got pregnant, the weight I was when I gave birth. like These numbers, for whatever reason, stick out in our mind. And even though we might say, I don't care about the scale number, until you do coaching, sometimes I wonder if you really believe that because I think that you thought that, Karen. I think that when we started together, you're like, I'm an athlete. I'm strong. I just had knee surgery. I want to get to be as strong as I can. Yet, when we dig underneath the surface, it's like, I want to be a certain weight. I want to be a certain body fat percentage. I want to be a, and those goals are valid, but you got to do a little bit of digging about maybe the motivations around that. And how are we actually measuring it? Because a scale isn't going to measure your body fat percentage and the scale is not going to measure how strong you are or how good you feel in your body, your mood, stuff like that. So if you say you care about those things, we got to actually measure those things appropriately.
1: Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think too, like recording my weight every day, like it really showed me how much it fluctuates sure. and why it fluctuates, like what it does when I'm around my period, what it does in all the different parts of my cycle, what it does if I didn't get that much sleep one night. Mm-hmm. I mean, it'll, I'll be like several pounds heavier if mm-hmm. I had bad sleep the night before or if I'm fighting off a cold or something. And it just kind of let me just be a lot less hard on myself, I think.
0: That's so good. (laughs) Tell me, I'd like to talk a little bit about your fat loss phase because I know this is what interests a lot of people um, when they start coaching. They want assistance in losing fat. And when I come to them as a coach, I say, it's possible. For you to engage in a fat loss phase that is easy and sustainable and quite frankly, painless. And that feels incredibly foreign for a lot of people because their experience with weight loss and fat loss in their history is usually very painful. It's white knuckling it through diet rules Mm -hmm. and deprivation and all that. So we obviously took your calories way up and you didn't really gain much weight during that time. And if anything, you were starting to see some body composition changes because you were eating enough to fuel your strength training finally. So when we did start a fat loss phase, it probably was at a higher amount than you ever thought possible, which is pretty crazy. I don't want to give away all the details. Please tell me (laughs) what it was like going through that fat loss phase in your own words.
1: It was crazy. I mean, I think that first time we did a fat loss phase, I don't think I ate less than 2,000 calories a day and I was losing weight pretty steadily. And, you know, I'd been through it too, where I had dieted for competitions, where I was probably eating like 1400 calories a day, which is insane to think about now. And it's probably the amount of calories my 11-year-old eats (laughs) a day, you know? And immediately after going through that kind of cycle, I Gained weight back like within two weeks, you know? So that first time we did a fat loss phase, it really was like my awareness changed so much about what I needed for my body, about what was possible. And I don't know, it was just very easy, you know? Me, I think I ended up doing like around 15 weeks of a fat loss phase and I lost around like 12 pounds or something it just felt very easy and i think doing a fat loss like that and also having several years of macro tracking under my belt now i feel like we're just talking about the scale neutrality i feel a lot of food neutrality too where before our time working together i would crave like french fries fried food Ice cream, desserts. I had like such strong cravings for stuff like that. And I went through a fat loss phase where I didn't really experience those kind of cravings, which I think most people when they diet, it's like you find yourself thinking about that kind of food all the time. You You think it's a willpower
0: Um, issue. Yeah. Yeah,
1: totally. And I had these easy fat loss phases and now. Being in several other kind of seasons, I, I go out to dinner and have a little bit of french fries if I want them, but I never find myself needing to eat or not needing to eat, but like wanting to eat every single french fry or getting a dessert to share with somebody and eating the whole dessert. Like a few bites satisfies me. And that's not to say like you shouldn't have the whole dessert if you want to. Definitely do that, but I don't want it. You yeah. know, it feels like it's driven more out of like you're
0: able to make a mindful decision because you're well fed most of the time. Yeah. And if you do choose to eat over quote your needs or eat emotionally, which is not necessarily a bad thing, or eat socially, yeah, you don't beat yourself up for it. It's not out of like totally uh, like a primal drive to eat. Is sometimes how I describe it. When we're dying, yeah. it becomes like this primal drive to eat. And that's not where it's coming from anymore.
1: Totally. And there's
0: no shame involved, Mm -hmm. you know. That's great. So part of our process, obviously, is, you know, living most of your life, living most of your year in maintenance. So eating enough calories to support your current activity, period. And then inserting periods of fat loss if you would like to do so. So those are short-term finite phases. So we have an end date. You know, We decide how long it's going to be. We maybe play with that end date a little bit, depending on how good we feel. But in general, it's just a finite phase. But what people might not realize is that when we go from a fat loss phase to maintenance, there's a period called the reverse. And this is where we slowly increase your calories back to where they need to be because you're under-eating them for that fat loss Mm -hmm. phase, that calorie deficit then we move back up to maintenance. And that can be one of the most challenging times for people because they feel yeah. so good about the weight they've lost or the fat they've lost. So sometimes they can get carried away thinking like, oh, I just want to stay here. I just want to keep going. Yeah. Just push, push, push. And having a coach walk you through a reverse and knowing that's part of the process can, I think, be one of the biggest Needle movers for people's success. Definitely. But can you tell me what it was like when you were at the end of your fat loss phase? Did you confront those feelings at all around like, I should keep going or I want to keep going or were you ready to be done at that time?
1: I think I've gone through both. So I think after that first one, it was so successful and it was so everything was so brand new and amazing that I was ready to be done and felt really good about learning that reverse dieting phase and getting to maintenance and just observing what that looks like. And then this year, I did a fat loss phase that you helped me with. And then the reverse part of it, I was on my own for some of it. And there was a moment where I was like, this feels really good. I feel Mm -hmm. so lean, you know, and maybe I'm just fine right at these calories. But I got a little reminder from you that was like, this feels right. Totally fine to stop. But check in and see, you know, are you sleeping well? Are you experiencing any energy slumps during the day? And there are a few other things. And when I got that reminder, I was like, you know what? I haven't been sleeping that well. Mm-hmm. You know, it had been a couple of weeks that I was waking up a lot in the night. I was having a hard time falling asleep and staying asleep and then feeling really kind of wired when I would wake up. And I was like, okay, so maybe I'll add like 150 calories to my calories per day. And within a couple of days, my sleep was so much better, and so having that little moment was just another great little learning nugget of yeah. noticing those things that we don't really think of being a part of the big picture. Mm-hmm. You know, we're kind of just thinking about the way our body looks and the progress we've made, but what about these other quality of life mm-hmm. things? You know. Yeah, it's so important to recognize
0: that while we do have calculations and we do have like the numbers that we can figure out your maintenance or we can estimate your maintenance, it is an estimation. Your body is going to tell us if you're there or not. And so we take a quick little checklist and assessment of do you feel all these things? Yes, no then we have a better, more accurate reflection and picture of where we should go or should we stay or should we go up? Should we come down? And all these things. So yeah, I always have to remind people that while we do have formulas, it is still just a guess. It is still just an yeah. educated best guess. And having a client like you who has been in and out of tracking diligently for several years, in and out of different phases, you have all the data you need to decide what is probably your maintenance now. Yeah, and if I were to do if I were to just run your numbers, maybe I would be off because I don't have as yeah. much data anymore. You hold that data. So that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, because cool.
0: If you've ever wondered how many calories and macros it takes to reach your health, body composition and athletic performance goals, you're probably going to want to download my DIY Macros Guide. Not only will we walk you through setting your protein, fat, and carbohydrate gram targets, but they will feel easy to hit because it's completely personalized. You'll answer nuanced questions about the type of activity that you do, your food preferences, the type of job that you have, and more. In addition to your personalized macro prescription, you'll learn how to set your calories in a deficit if you want to, and how much of that deficit you should be in. You'll learn things to consider when setting your carbohydrate and fat targets. So again, they feel easy to hit and natural. You'll get a list of protein, fat, and carbohydrate rich foods, along with a portion size guide to help you eyeball what certain macro amounts look like. You'll also receive an easy to understand rundown on metabolism, what it means, why you should care, how your macro targets relate to your metabolism, and some tips to improve it. We'll lastly throw in two sample meal plans so you can see how those macros look in a daily menu. To download the free guide, go to my website at emilyfieldrd.com slash macros guide. So, okay, I guess I'm just curious about what your future looks like right now. I know we're coming up to the end of the year.
1: What phase are you in right now? Are you tracking at all? So I'm not tracking right now. After the fat loss phase earlier this year, I tracked through the summer and I really like having tracking during periods of life or seasons like summer where mm-hmm. things can get really chaotic and out of whack. I see tracking in those times of life as just a tool to feel good. And like, so I, Went through summer and then when fall started and my kids are going back to school, I haven't been tracking just cause I haven't really needed to. I have my routine to myself. You know, they're at school during the day. And so I eat my PFC meals and snacks. And I, at this point, I also kind of can eyeball meals pretty well and know how much it is as far as macros and calories. And I don't think I'll track through the holidays because why put that pressure on myself? Yeah, there's already (laughs) a lot going on. (laughs) Yeah. And then in the new year, I I like to enter a fat loss phase at some point because it feels good to just get kind of organized and tight and have a goal in mind. So that's probably how things will play out for the next six months or so. Okay. So it sounds like when you're not tracking, and I love this,
0: when you're not tracking, you still hold on to some pillars from when you were tracking. And so it sounds like you are shaping your meals with protein, fat, and carb whenever possible. You probably have an eyeball for that protein where you can because that's probably the hardest macro for most people, including you, to get. Are there any yeah. other things that you've really held on to from your tracking experience that you carry into like when you're not tracking?
1: I think eating frequently for yeah. me, I definitely can like just get into work mode and not eat for a long time. And I don't feel that great when I do that. So I eat every couple of hours. And yeah, I think just. Staying really fueled the whole day definitely came from us working together. And in the past, it would have been very easy for me to not eat for like seven hours and then just binge on right. whatever was in my past.
0: Yeah, I love that. I mean, got to keep up on top of those calories. Who can't <laughs> save yeah. them? So it makes a lot of <laughs> yeah.
1: sense why if you <laughs> skip
0: meals and go six, seven hours, that your body would give you some clear signs and signals. Yeah. It needs to eat. It's so interesting that we can like try to pretend that that's not normal. Like we can just tell ourselves that like we're (laughs) the problem. (laughs) Yeah. But again, that comes from our, you know, the way that we were raised, 80s, 90s kids, where, you know, it felt like hunger was a problem. We should feel guilty for feeling hunger when it's a normal biological response to needing to eat.
1: Totally. Yeah. Well, thank
0: you so much, Karen. This was really great. I would love to be able to kind of talk through what you've learned and where you were, where you're at now. It just really seems like you are able, like your your head space is not preoccupied, number one, with weight and weight loss, or number two, that your body should not change as you age. It seems like you have a lot of clear headspace to give your gifts in other areas. And I know you have lots to give, so that feels really, really cool to know.
1: Yeah, I wanted to say too that I think that it can be hard for other people to be themselves sometimes in other people's process, especially if they hear, you know, I'm a jiu-jitsu teacher. I've done jujitsu for 20 years. I competed in it that maybe that might may make someone think like, well, she can do it. That doesn't mean I can. But I don't think I'm any different than anybody else. And it really is just skills that we learn. And I think macro tracking or at least just learning that you need to eat more or that you need to eat more protein. I really think that so many women benefit from that or can, you know, absolutely. That's a
0: really great reminder. I feel that way sometimes in my work. She's a dietitian. She's always madness. Yeah. You know, she doesn't have a traditional job. So her challenges aren't the same. Yeah. You're right. It really is. We all have that skill to learn. Like, even though I might know different or I may have learned earlier than you, it doesn't mean that it's any easier for me, or it's still not a challenge to eat to my needs and like fuel myself. Yeah. I've experienced the same challenges that many of my clients have too. It just might yeah. have been Years ago, and theirs is just happening right now. That's okay. Totally. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for saying that. Well, I appreciate your time, and I will talk to you soon when that comes around around your fat loss phase. Thanks, thanks so much. Thank you so much for listening to the Macros Made Easy podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, take a screenshot of the one you're listening to right now to share it on your Instagram stories and tag me at Emily Field RD so that more people can find this podcast and learn how to use a macros approach in a stress-free way. If you love the podcast, head over to iTunes and leave me a rating and a review. Remember, you can always find more free health and nutrition content on Instagram and on my website at emilyfieldrd.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you on the next episode.